You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in, everybody, to the Warchant TV Roundtable alongside the founder and administrator of Warchant.com, Gene Williams. He is to my right on the screen. Underneath me, Ira Shafel, the managing editor of Warchant.com, Warchant TV. And at the bottom right, the host of the wildly popular Jeff Cameron Show, which you can catch right here on Warchant TV. Mondays, Wednesdays through Fridays, 1 p.m. again, right here on Warchant TV. He's Jeff Cameron. It's a lot of content, folks. We've got a lot of experts here on Warchant TV. So if you haven't done so yet, hit the like button, subscribe to our channel. It's completely free, and you'll have the best FSU coverage in the business. That's what we do at Warchant TV. So today's topic in our Warchant Roundtable, FSU coaches are on notice after AD Michael Alford dismissed Mike Martin Jr. That news came down last Friday. And so what does it mean for other coaches? We're going to talk about that. But first question I will ask to everybody, and Gene, we will start with you. It's only two full seasons that Mike Martin Jr. was the head coach of Florida State Baseball. Do you think that this move would have happened, this firing would have happened under any of Florida State's previous, say, three athletic directors? Uh, I would say unlikely. Uh, I, I, you don't know the dynamic one. If we're going to go all the way back to Randy Spetman, uh, I don't know if TK you know, was kind of calling the shots back then. So if TK had a problem with it, I mean, maybe TK would have done it. But under the last two, absolutely not. I don't think so. I think uh, Stan Wilcox was going to do whatever's easy. I just don't think he would have shaken up the Martin, uh, you know, longevity, what's going on there. I don't think he wanted to be in that position. I think David Coburn with Thrasher kind of running the show there, those two guys in tandem, I think they just wanted to maintain the status quo. They didn't want to shake waves because they knew they were both short term. And they weren't going to do anything. So I really think this is a little different with Mike Alford now. I think he's really – and I and I sat down in a meeting with Michael Alford right after he was hired as CEO of the Boosters. And I remember him, first thing that kind of struck me is how he sits down with all the coaches and there's account – he makes them accountable, whether it's financial, wins and losses, those kind of things. I don't think the other three athletic directors really had a plan to make the individual coaches accountable for what was happening on and off the field with their programs. That's why I think the, these coaches – there is a little bit, we're going to get to that later, there is a little bit shorter window with these coaches now at Florida State to prove their worth to the university and to the athletic department. If I may here, Tom, I'll add to that by saying the reason that none of the previous athletic directors going all the way back to Spetman would have done anything about it is because they were impotent to do so. They were puppets. Uh, those athletic directors were not in a position where they had the authority to hire a fire, really anybody. Uh, and Florida State's situation was a, was a very unique one. Uh, it had more to do uh, with the with the boosters and, and the way that that was arranged. Uh, so coaches, I, I don't think, ever feared uh, being held accountable like they do now with Michael Alford because those other athletic directors 
uh, did not have autonomy to really do much of anything. Um, we, we, we can go back each individual athletic director and talk about their strengths and their shortcomings. But one thing for sure is post Dave Hart, none of them had the same sort of authority. And so I don't think they could have done much of anything without the president's approval. Uh, in some situations, as Gene alluded to, previous presidents in essence ran the athletic department. So uh, this is this is a very different scenario. It looks like it's playing out now that Florida State has modernized their athletic department and the way that they work with the boosters to have a real athletic director who has the authority to hire and fire people when he believes the jobs aren't getting done. Yeah, I think that's fair. The only thing, uh, you know, the only thing I would add to that, Jeff and, and Gene, is that um, I do think the Mike Martin Jr. situation was a little bit of an outlier because this was not a head coach that was hired with um, years of experience. It was not a head coach who had done uh, a, you know, a great job at a bunch of other schools and Florida State went out, lured him in and, and gave him the free reign that you would give another head coach. I think that this was always seen when they kind of sold this. You know, Mike Martin Jr. was not a unanimous pick by any stretch of the uh, selection committee. There were a lot of people who did not like that hire. But I think one of the things, one of the ways they sold it was to people inside the department was, look, he's not going to be expensive. We can get him cheap. And if it doesn't work out, he doesn't have a lot of history as a head coach, we can make a move pretty quickly. So I think that is part of it as well. If Mike Martin Jr. had been a guy who had been a head coach for 15 years somewhere else, I don't know. And, and, and maybe if the program wasn't uh, trending as, as poorly as it seemed to be this season, I don't know that they make that change. I think that was part of it as well. Well, you know, folks reacted to that, and they did so in a big way on Warchant TV when we broke the news on Friday. Ira, you, myself, and Aslan had a discussion about Mike Martin Jr. being dismissed as Florida State's baseball coach. But then after about 10 minutes, people start to think about the big program, uh, the, mm -hmm. the big one, football, and that's obviously coming up in the fall. We'll cover that on Warchant TV. But there have to be some implications for Mike Norvell with a signaling that Florida State has money to go and pursue another baseball coach at much more expensive amount of money than Mike Martin Jr. was making. Wouldn't you agree? And we'll start with uh, Jeff. What do you think? What do you think the implications are, simply put, for Coach Norvell now that this move has been made? I do think it's a different situation. I, I, I think the money is much different. Uh, and when we talk about uh, if you were to move on from Mike Norvell as opposed to moving on, as Ira just talked about, with a relatively uh, small salary of $400,000 or thereabouts, it would be very different than, than Mike Norvell, obviously. If you're looking at the spirit of that, the overriding question, is Florida State in a place, a better financial position than they were a couple of years ago? And if a hard decision has to be made, are they willing to make it? Yeah, I think this may be an indicator that we're moving in that direction for sure. I think you go back to uh, what we've seen so far with Mike Alford, right? The Gregorian situation, I think, played out in a way that was probably not favorable to him uh, amongst the fan base. This is a situation that plays out favorable to him, I think, with the fan base, but it's also an indicator that perhaps he has a greater imprint, a greater um, position to uh, of strength to have on this athletic department. And I would think that not just Mike Norvell, but coaches across the board are looking at this as a, okay, it's the dawn of a new day to some degree. Now, there's nuance to all of this, as we well know. Uh, Mike Norvell would have to have a disastrous season, in my opinion, to be fired after this year, but I suppose it's on the table, yes. So, Gene, we'll go to you next. It, obviously, if you look at the rundown of what Michael Alford's done so far, they're going to commit more money to baseball. That's what this money means. Just by where this move means with Coach Martin Jr., uh, it's not only a buyout. you got to pay more for another coach, and, and they're not going to pay for $450,000 for a new coach. Lonnie Alameda, over the life of her contract, if she uh, is not extended or doesn't go anywhere else, is going to make likely well over $5 million to coach softball. 
at Florida State. And Coach Mark Corian, who turned down the offer from Florida State, would have been the highest paid soccer coach uh, in the country. So Florida State's not only investing in football, and it's not one of those circle the wagons, move all the financial uh, coins and, and dollars to the center of the table for football only. This is an expense uh, athletic department wide. So what do you think this says about where Coach Norvell stands and, and how big this season is for him moving forward? Yeah, and I'll add that I think when you, the other thing you add up, Tom, I think they're probably going to end up paying a million plus maybe for the next baseball coach, especially if they get who they want to get. So yep. that, that's, a, that's a topic for another video roundtable. Uh, and, and by the way, a little uh, selfless promotion here for Ira Reed is 321, where he talks about some of those uh, topics in terms of the next baseball coach. But anyway, so yeah, I, I do, I agree that this is, has greater implications for all the coaches. Like I said, the accountability, and including, that includes Mike Norvell, absolutely 100%. But I think we got to really look at some of the differences. There's some very, a lot of nuances between what is happening, what happened with Mike Martin Jr. and what's happening with Mike Norvell. It was trending in the wrong direction for Mike Martin Jr. And you saw no end in sight. There was no scenario where you looked at absent just a lot of fortunate things happening. Things were going to be better next season for Jr. And then you're in a tough position at that point. Then you got it. You're going to fire him anyway, and you're a year behind. Mike Norvell, let's face it, at the end of the day, the records sucked the last two seasons. No one's going to deny that. But, you know, the thing you look at that really saves him in this situation, he was 5-3 and three in his last eight games, and the three losses were against three quality teams, and those were competitive games. So things are training in the right direction. And you guys all have sources within the athletic department and people around the program, and you always seem to hear positive things about his organization, about his interactions with everybody. You know, that means something. If you're if you're running a program in a way that people say, yeah, he's doing things the right way. I like him. He's working well with others. He's working hard. Those things resonate and they matter. Where you look at the opposite, I think Mike Martin Jr.'s situation is a lot more akin to Willie Taggart, where things were trending poorly with that program. You heard about the disarray inside the program. He wasn't making friends. Nothing looked promising in the future. So I think that's really more to it. But at the end of the day, this, I think, is a season. You've talked about a lot on the Jeff Cameron show. Mike Norvell's got to do something this season. He's got it. Florida State, at the very least, has to have a winning record or at least get to a bowl game at the absolute bare minimum. If not, then I think this is a real discussion. That's when accountability comes into play, where Mike Alford's going to be, you're right, probably not fired unless things completely unravel this season. But, man, that would be a sign that things, again, trending in the wrong direction. And where is Florida State going to be in a year or two if things start trending downwards in 2022? That's ultimately the issue here. So, yeah, I do think for long-winded answer, I do think coaches, including Mike Norvell, are a little bit on notice. That window is a little bit smaller than it was a couple of years ago. Ira, your thoughts? Yeah, just a, I agree with everything those guys said. The only thing I would say is it, the message is definitely out there to some degree. You know, just being around uh, football camp this weekend, I was out there and – you know, some people around the support staff of football and, and different people in the university uh, are asking a lot of questions about what happened with Mike Martin Jr. Why was he fired so quickly? I mean, it's one of those things that kind of gets everybody's attention. What does that mean? What is it going to mean possibly for us? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I echo what those guys said completely in the sense that behind the scenes, things are trending in the right direction. When you talk to people around the football program, they talk about just the, the attitudes kids doing what they're supposed to do, kids showing up on time, kids working hard, kids being good teammates, Kim listen, kids listening to the coaches, all the things you want to hear, those were things you were not hearing necessarily about the baseball program, and the results on the field reflected that. I think they're willing to give Mike Norvell, again, who's been a head coach before, time for that to come to fruition on Saturdays because there have been indications. 
Um, if that wasn't the case, then yeah, I think Mike Norvell would be in more trouble than he is right now. But yeah, ultimately, uh, you do have to win games, and this is a huge season. Well, there's two sides to that coin, and Ira, I'll come back to you for the final question I have. But let's just say that Mike Norvell overachieves, and Florida State, whether it's you know injury luck is on their side, turnover luck, or they just get a lot better, and let's say they win nine games or, or nine with a bowl or ten with a bowl, whatever it is, they've got they overachieve this year. The other side of the coin when you make moves like Mike Alford made is, is now you're showing coaches within the athletic department, you got money, you got money to spend if good things happen. So it's not only about the bad and uh, the quick hook maybe uh, for being dismissed from the athletic department, but you actually could go back to them for more money now, if they're going to spend this kind of coin on a softball coach or a soccer coach or a baseball coach. So what do you think if Mike Norvell overachieves uh, the athletic director is now looking at, it's a different problem, but it's still a meeting with Mike Norvell and his representation, I would imagine. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, the people who right now are still not sure that Mike Norvell's the guy, and I think that qualifies for a, the vast majority of the fan base in terms of not being totally sure he's the guy, they they would hear this conversation and be like, what are you even talking about? A raise or an extension? But if you do play out that scenario where he were to, if he were to win nine games, something like that in year three, we know for a fact, Jimmy Sexton, we've seen him do it at Florida State and schools around the country. He a hundred percent will come back to Florida State and say, hey, these other schools are, are poking around. They want to know if Mike might be interested. And now Florida State would have to, to respond. So, yeah, that that totally will happen. Now, it's also up to Mike Norve Michael Alford to, to act rationally and not panic. Sometimes these schools, sometimes these administrators panic and feel like, oh, we can't let anybody, anything happen and just kind of sign over a long-term deal at a huge raise. They've got to be pragmatic. It still would be year three, and this team still is far from where it needs to be in terms of talent. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Jimmy Sexton came calling uh, at the end of next season. Ira, can we call that the uh, the Charles Kelly syndrome there, the yeah. overreacting and and overspending and just doing ridiculously – you know, Florida State's been down that path with Jimbo Fisher over and over. So you're 100%, I, man, I hope this is a problem. How cool would this be? <laughs> uh, a few months from now, we're, you're talking about the extension and how much money and all that stuff. I mean, that would be a great scenario for all of us. But, yeah, absolutely. And I would say – Two things, Mike Norvell, he's obviously got to lock him up because, you know, and, and Sexton's going to flood up those rumors. We're going to see all these bloggers putting out, this SEC team is looking at Mike Norvell and this and this and this, but I think he's got to lock him up. The other thing is he's going to get on the phone with all his big boosters and that, you know, his dream is to do that massive expansion renovation of Doe Campbell Stadium. He's going to be – so in Florida State, the dream scenario beats Texas A&M in the Gator Bowl for that 10th win, and Jimbo's crying on the sideline. He's calling up. DeVoe Moore and and Sarah Blakely and all those people like throw the money at us now baby we're gonna build out Doak with Spank Stadium let's do it you know typically when we do these videos in reaction to something negative that's happened at Florida State it doesn't end with us singing the praises of Mike Norvell <laughs> in a 10-win season forthcoming uh typically we're a little bit uh, more dire so or dour I, I have to admit that uh, anybody watching this is going what the hell are these guys talking about nine or ten wins but I will say this if Michael Alford hears a rap at the door and it's Mike Norvell wanting to have a late night conversation after win number 10, I would imagine that is a, by all means, come on in. Good, yeah. sir. Can't wait to chat about where your, where your thoughts are at, uh, because that has been a conversation at Florida state in some time. So uh, we would welcome the complexity of the issues that center around winning too much. 
<laughs> you, you you miss the days of the uh, end of season extortion from Jimmy Sexton. Oh, absolutely. I want to I want to hear all about the extortion to be based on <laughs> endless season after endless season of victory and victory. Yes, please. Remember how pissed off our fans would get over and over. I mean that that was the biggest problem we had was our fans were so angry that once again Jimbo's holding Florida State hostage with Jimmy Sexton. Yeah. And boy, how we just pray for those gays. We want to talk a little bit about the other side if he underachieves. I mean, what what what, what position? So, Jeff, let me ask you this: what what if he what if he has five wins again? And what what does the what does Alford do at that point? You're saying probably not firing, but does he make him shake up the staff? What does he do? Well, he already tried to shake up his staff, and so I would think that you would have to follow through this time around and hire a new wide receiver coach or whomever it was that was underachieving at the time. Uh, I, I would I would suggest this. Yeah, I think he's got to do worse than five and seven. It'd be four and eight, three and nine, something like that. A, a cataclysmically bad season where you just have to make a move. But I have said this time and again, and I'll say it again here. I, this season's vital for a lot of reasons. But if you go six and six, to some degree, even seven or five, I think I think you're kind of prolonging the inevitable. I know some guys disagree with me on that, but he will have no momentum in recruiting if that's the case. Again, no momentum in recruiting. And at that point, it doesn't mean that he's not cleaning things up behind the scenes and that Florida State isn't getting increment, incrementally better. But I just don't know that long-term you'd get difference makers in here at that point. I think you have to have a splash season. And, and I would say the minimum to do that is eight wins. I think it's a tough schedule. I think you have some big games that you would have to win if you're going to win eight games. And I think they might be capable of that. they got to stay healthy. But short of that, I think that maybe his fate is sealed. Uh, for any kind of middling season that he might have. But yes, I think it would have to be some sort of god awful three and nine, four and eight. My goodness, they're not getting any better type campaign for them to pull the plug yet I don't again. Know, man. I think I think if I think at five and seven they may they may do, do it. You? I mean, I do. I just you would have no progress at all. And really, if yeah. you look at that schedule, it's a tough schedule, but there's about four games that you, you're gonna win. So that means you went one and seven <laughs> in the other eight. I mean, I just yeah. I don't Man, it would have to be. It's hard for you. You have it. to beat Florida at the end of the year or something, you know. Really Even that, I just don't see. I think. I think. Well, I just think. I think, I think we have to. I think, six, I think six wins or seven wins. You're you're still moving forward. Probably not where you need to be. I think I agree with you. You need to get to eight wins probably to to get over that hump. But I think less than six wins, man. I think there's a decent chance they would have to make a move. My only, but my only caveat is that the reason I say that is the way it happens matters. If if Jordan yeah, Travis sure. gets hurt in week two. Yeah, but then it's, then it's quickly, why did you Exactly, why did Travis? you get a transfer? Why are you in this well, quarter? Been I, I, for I've been asking seasons. that for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I get it. But I, you're right. So, I think seven is kind of that – we don't know it's seven. What's going to – it's context matters for everything on that. If you finish like this season, you finish strong with seven wins and you beat Florida at the end and you're showing a lot of improvement. Maybe Jordan missed two or three games in the middle of the season that you lost but you got back. You know, maybe you're okay with that. Maybe that's just barely good enough. But at seven and five, if you're kind of middling, you get blown out in a couple games, maybe you don't finish strong. Then I, you're probably right, Jeff. I think you're, he's in a little bit of a difficult situation going into 2023. Okay, so the final question I'll ask all of you guys: quick answers, because we've now done what a good athletic director will do. We we've talked about the pie in the sky projection and the doom and gloom projection, and that's what Michael yeah. Alford has to do at all times for all sports. We'll start with Ira, and we'll go in that clockwise order: Gene, then Jeff. How many wins for Mike Norvell to make him definitely safe as the head coach moving forward and maybe in a position to get an extension? Is it seven or eight minimum number of wins? Ira? 
describe safe. I'm sorry. I know you wanted yeah, a yeah, quick yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. Safe, he's safe with seven wins. But in terms of like solid footing, this program's definitely going in the right direction. We can even talk about a possible extension. I think eight wins. Okay. Gene? You have to say that. I said seven could be you know, safe. He's probably safe, definitely. It's seven wins. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt. And I, when you're talking about extension, man, I don't know, eight, maybe even nine, if he's going to get some kind of raise and all that kind of stuff. But I, eight, I'm very comfortable with eight. I think we're all, everybody's kind of hungry. I mean, sh- Sorry, almost almost uh, a little profanity cut it off. But I mean, you were five wins last year. If you go from five to eight, yeah, and with a tough schedule, man, that's that's awesome. I mean, I think we'd all right now, I think 99% of the fan base would be that's good. Boom, we're going forward. You know, I like to say define your terms, Tom. Safe, he's safe at six and six in the sense that he's not gonna get fired. Yeah, at six and six. He's screwed long term. But he's safe in the immediate future at six and six. Uh, I think any kind of pie in the sky scenario by which we're talking about an extension and a raise, yeah. that's eight, bare minimum eight. And even then, I'm not so sure. But yeah, he's safe at six wins. I, I don't think they'd fire him after a six win season. I just think he'd be screwed long term because he's not going to win in recruiting at that point. I think if you're like all of the panelists, including myself, during this video, you felt real hope for a while, and then you were down in the dumps for a little <laughs> while. That means we've covered all the bases, and that's what we do at Warchant TV. So for the managing editor, Irish Ophel, the founder and administrator of Warchant.com, Gene Williams, and the host of the wildly popular Jeff Cameron Show, they got a cool producer too. He's Jeff Cameron. My name is Tom Lang. Thanks for tuning in to Warchant TV. We will talk to you all for a Warchant Roundtable next time.